I don't know how many of y'all do uh, projects in your home, uh, but if you do a project in your home, uh, you need specific tools. One of the great things about, uh, and my wife's at this hour, so I have to be careful here, but one of the great things about doing projects in the home is if you do a new project, that automatically means you need a new tool. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I, there is some tool that needs to be purchased for the project that you've got to accomplish. And even if you've done that project before, you discovered while you were doing the project before that there is a new tool that can help you do that project with even greater skill and with even greater speed so that the finished product is always better. So men, if you want to know exactly, or ladies, if you want to know exactly how to get more tools, do more projects. And, uh, but the great thing is if you, if you do a project, you have all these different tools and every tool is designed for a specific thing. So if you need to hammer a nail, you get a, a hammer. Uh, if you need to, uh, if you need to, uh, 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 nourish your body while you're doing it, you get a Snickers. If you need to, uh, measure uh, a, a length of, of uh, wood, you get a, a tape measure or a ruler. Uh, if you need to uh, 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 bend something or, or uh, uh, even cut some wire, you can use pliers or channel locks. Uh, there is a tool for uh, each one of these things. And, and if you need to do electrical work, you get a an electrician, exactly. Y'all are right on target. Y'all know exactly where I'm going. But the project that, that you're trying to accomplish uh, demands a specific tool for that project. Uh, now, here's the, here's the way God works in the church. And God works in the church so that He creates us and He rescues us from sin so that you and I individually might be an instrument that he chooses and uses for his specific purpose. I want you to hear this. God takes us from sin's embrace. He, He rescues us out of sin so that he might lead us into a specific purpose. Now, this is a little bit different than what we've talked about before, but it's the same idea. If you remember, we've been looking through the book of Acts, and in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, God gives the church, this family, our calling. Our calling is to tell others who Jesus is. In Acts 1, 8, he says, you'll receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And then following that calling that God has given the church, we see God moving, not just in the church, but in the known world at the time. Each movement is accentuated by individual men and women who have heard God's specific calling to a specific purpose and have stepped into that specific purpose. Give an example. Peter in Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost, Peter 
realized this is the specific purpose that God had given me. And he stood up and he preached a message, a message that a fisherman from Galilee should never have preached. It was filled with the Holy Spirit's power and wisdom that comes from God alone. And on that day, thousands of people became followers of Jesus Christ. Again, we see Peter and John uh, in in the temple courts at Solomon's portico in Acts chapter 3. And when they met a guy who had been lame from birth, couldn't walk from the time he was born, begging for money, Peter and John realized this is specific purpose for which God had saved us. And they declared to that man, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then they preached a message and thousands became followers of Jesus Christ. We see it again in Acts chapter 4. The church has gone through some ups and downs and experienced some persecution. But at the end of chapter 4, it says that the church was real family. They had all things in common. And they shared the stuff that they had. They cared for one another. And there was a man named Barnabas. He's called the son of encouragement. And he realized that God had raised him up, saved him from his sin, and set him apart for a specific purpose. So Barnabas sells all his possessions and takes all that money and lays it at the apostles' feet and says, here, let's take care of one another and let's fulfill God's mission. In Acts chapter 6, we saw it again, where there was division in the church because some people were not being uh, taken care of the way they felt like they needed to be taken care of. And so the church uh, picked seven individuals, seven men, who God raised up, rescued out of their sin, and set them apart for a specific purpose, to serve the church. We see one of those men, his name is Stephen. And in a moment of of clarity, Stephen stood up in the midst of a gathering of people and he began to preach a sermon. And, and, And then that sermon, he declared that Jesus is the only way into a relationship with God. And the result of Stephen's sermon was that he was killed. But he was stepping into that specific purpose which God had given him. Uh, As a result of the persecution that arose, and there was a guy named Saul that was consenting to Stephen's death in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, and, and, and approved of it, and then he became a persecutor of the church. In Acts chapter 8, verse 4, it says that the church was scattered, that everyone who believed was scattered, and they went everywhere declaring the good news, the word that would give life to those who are far from God. The whole church stepping up into a specific purpose. We see another one of these seven men at the, uh, that were picked at the, in Acts chapter 6, a guy named Philip. And Philip, we saw last week, he went to some, a city in Samaria, and he stepped up into this specific purpose that God had made him for. And he declared the good news of Jesus Christ to that city of Samaria. And, and there was a great movement of God, the, and, 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 and people were rescued by God's grace. God then sent Philip down to encounter an Ethiopian in the middle of, 
of a wilderness going from Jerusalem back to his home, uh, uh, homeland of Ethiopia or Cush. And, and on that journey, uh, Philip encountered him, caught up to the chariot, and, and shared the gospel so that the gospel would then, this man was rescued by God's grace. But more than that, he took the gospel with him to Ethiopia, to Cush. The world began to be changed by this good news because individuals within the family of faith realized that God had rescued them out of sin, not so that they could sit, not so that they could be comfortable in their own silence or complacency, not so that they could be entertained by a talker on a platform. God began to change the world because individuals in the family of faith realized that God had made them for a specific purpose. Saul was no different. In Acts chapter 8, we see that he was a persecutor of the church. In Acts chapter 9, we saw on Wednesday, Acts chapter 9 says that Saul uh, was uh, breathing threats and murder against the church, and he made his way down to Damascus with letters, authorization to arrest anybody who were followers of Christ. And on that journey down to Damascus, Jesus saved Saul. Jesus encountered Saul in a vision that sent Saul to his knees, and and Saul uh, was, was frightened out of his sin, and he began to say, Jesus must be Lord. And in that moment, we see that Saul was changed and transformed. Jesus rescued Saul from an empty life, Jesus rescued Saul from an empty religion. Jesus rescued Saul from an empty purpose. But he rescued Saul toward something, toward a satisfying life, toward a a life-giving relationship with God, toward a life-shaping purpose. No longer was he a persecutor of the church. He was now a proclaimer of the gospel. He was the, 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 became the most ardent missionary that the church has ever known. This is Saul. And when we read about Saul, we get so enamored with him, and we read all these letters that he wrote in the New Testament, and we are so enamored with him, we say, well, Saul's so much different than I am, but it's not true. He's no different than you or I. It's just that God had a specific purpose for Saul that was different perhaps than his specific purpose for you or for me. But make no mistake, you were made for a specific purpose. Not general. We all have a general purpose as followers of Christ. We are to adore Him. We are to uh, uh, worship Him. We are to share the gospel. We are to gather with the people of God. We are to uh, disciple one another and be discipled. All those things are absolutely true of every follower of Jesus. But do you know, do you realize that you were made specifically for a specific purpose in the hands of God. There is a specific purpose for which you were saved and rescued. Saul began to understand it. As God was preparing the church to to disciple Saul, he had to get the attention of a guy named Ananias who was a leader in the church in Damascus. 
And, and, and he said, there is a guy named Saul, and he's at the state uh, street called Straight, and you need to go, and you need to get him, and you need to take him under your wing, and you need to help him because he is going to be a missionary for me. And, and Ananias said, Lord, we know this guy. He was coming to arrest us, and now you're sending me to go help him? God, are you sure? And I want you to look at verse 15 of chapter 9. He said, the Lord said to Ananias, go, for Saul is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. He is a chosen vessel. I want you to, I want you to lean into that because uh, Saul was not the only chosen vessel of God. If you have been rescued by God's grace, make no mistake, you are a chosen vessel. You are one crafted by God's grace into an instrument in his hands to uniquely and especially fulfill this purpose that he's given, this calling that we have as a church, the way the church makes moves throughout the world and throughout history is not by some grand political scheme. The way the church has shaped the world around it is when individuals in the church, part of the family of faith, stopped seeing themselves as spectators and started seeing themselves as an instrument that God has made by salvation for specific purpose. We read about this, and I've talked about this. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, Paul says, hey, listen, you were lost in your sin. You were dead in your sin. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sin and trespass, made us alive together in Christ Jesus by grace, you have been saved. And he goes on and he says, it's not the works that you do. It's only the grace of God and your trust in Christ, your faith in him. And then in verse 10, he says this. Now, based upon who you are as followers of Jesus, rescued by God's grace through faith in Christ, here's who you are. This is your identity. This is your identity if you're a follower of Jesus. You are his workmanship, his special work of art. Wow, that's who we are. We are his masterpiece. But he goes on created in Christ Jesus for the good works which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. So we're not a masterpiece so that we can boast around and, and uh, with all our bravado talk about how good we are. We are a masterpiece of God's grace molded on the anvil of his salvation through the sacrifice of Christ for our sin, rescued from our empty life, from a, an empty religion, from an empty purpose to a satisfying life, a life-giving relationship with God, and a life-shaping purpose as instruments in his hands. Friends, do you understand the specific calling that God has for you? It's not enough for us to say, well, I attend church. Oh, I go to church. I go to church at least once out of every four Sundays. 
No, that's not who you are. Your identity is a poem that God has written with his own hand. The ink is in the blood of Christ, and he's made you a masterpiece so that we might serve him. And Saul got it. Will you get it? It's time. Friends, it's time. We, you, many of y'all believe that we're in a culture war. That, that the things of God have diminished so dramatically and, and everything's going to hell. Did you see how I said that? Everything's going to hell in a handbasket. That may be true, but can I tell you what the remedy is? The remedy is followers of Jesus Christ not fighting a political battle, but followers of Jesus Christ stepping up and stepping in to this glorious service and specific purpose that God has made us for. We are called by God to serve Him in specific, intentional, purposeful ways. And the purpose is God's that He's given us. It's not ours that we've created. We didn't create our own purpose. That would be a return to an empty purpose. God has given us a purpose. So the question is, how can you discover what your specific purpose is? Can I tell you, for me, and I shared this a couple of weeks ago, there was a time where I wanted to be an accountant. And in my sixth year of college, In my sixth year of college, I realized that it was not going to be what I was supposed to be doing. Would have been okay if it was, but God was stirring in me a discontent with the path that I was on. It wasn't because of the grades. It it wasn't because I went fishing more than I went to school or anything like that. It was that this was the wrong purpose. It was not my purpose purpose. It wasn't the purpose. God didn't form me to be an accountant. And I began to struggle with it. God, what is my purpose? What is the specific purpose for which you have forged me on the anvil of salvation? What is that specific purpose? And I came to realize it's to preach, to be a pastor, to be a pastor. It wasn't something of my own making. My dad's a pastor. I didn't want to have any part of it. But it was what God had called me to. It's what he made me for. Do you realize that there is that same kind of purpose, unique and special, for which you have been forged on the anvil of salvation? Do you realize Can you grasp that what Saul experienced on the road to Damascus, all of us should experience? All of us should be captured by this purpose for which God has saved us. This is how we experience fulfilling purpose. This is how we walk in that life-giving relationship. This is how we experience a satisfying life. We stop living for ourselves. And we start living for him who died for us and rose again. It's no longer about me or what satisfies me or what makes me happy or what tickles my fancy now. That hurt. Now, it's about what does God want me to 
do? How has God made me? And God leverages my personality, and God leverages my training, and God leverages my gifts, and He leverages all these things that I have in my life, and He, and he takes all of those ingredients and He fashions an instrument for His glory, for His service that will always, always be outward pointing people to Jesus. Saul is not one uh, of a kind. He's one among many who have heard God say, this is your purpose. Have you come to realize what your purpose is? Are you walking in that purpose? You might say, well, I don't know what it is. That's okay. I understand. I, I get it. I really do. I, preacher, I, I just don't even know how to begin this journey of discovering my purpose. Can I help you? Quickly, just kind of walk through this with you, with Saul. If we're going to understand what the specific purpose is for which God has saved us, beyond the general, glorify God, enjoy Him forever. Beyond, beyond that, what is the specific purpose? Has He called me to plant a church? Has He called me to teach Sunday school? Has He called me to be a deacon? Has He called me to serve in women's ministry? Has He called me to help children know who Jesus is? Has He called me uh, to uh, be part of scattered church that you'll see next week here in this worship gathering? Has He called me to, uh, to, to, uh, to be a co-vocational or bivocational pastor? Has He called me to let go all my stuff um, all the things that I know, even my profession that I have right now, and, and, and enter into full-time ministry, has he, ha, ha, what, what is that specific purpose? I don't know what it is. And the question is, can you know? Yes. God wants to show you. He wants to, he wants to help you understand that specific purpose. So how do we get there? Well, first of all, if you're going to understand your, your, your specific purpose, you've got to connect with the family of faith. There's no such thing as a lone ranger who's living according to a specific purpose for God's glory. There, 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 there is no example in Scripture of someone who fulfills their specific purpose outside connection with the church. This makes sense. Y'all know I've got four daughters, right? Edie and I, we have four daughters, we have two sons in law. We have a grandbaby named Nora. And Edie and I, for almost 30 years, July 12th, Edie and I have committed ourselves. And we've done it imperfectly, but we've committed ourselves to do all that we can to help our children our sons-in-law, our future sons-in-law, and our grandchildren to understand not only how Jesus saves us from our sin, but how God makes each one of us to walk in a specific purpose where we find ourselves fully alive as we walk in the center of God's will. It's our job as family. Eating, I've committed to this task and it's our heart's desire, our heart's yearning every day for our girls and our family to know the joy, the satisfaction 
of fulfilling God's specific purpose for them. Same thing was true for Saul. Same thing is true for you and me. You look in, uh, in, in, in verse 19. It says, uh, end of verse 18, begin verse 19, Saul arose and he was baptized. Now, baptism wasn't some ritualistic act that he did. Baptism was uh, staking uh, his claim to being a follower of Jesus. It was declaring, I'm part of this family. I'm part of this movement. I am theirs. They are mine. It's also a declaration that he was leaving behind uh, the Sanhedrin. He was leaving behind Gamaliel's school. He was leaving behind the empty life and the empty religion and the empty purpose. And he was picking up for himself this new family. He was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. He spent days with the disciples at Damascus. He, 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 he spent time with the Damascus uh, church, and, and, and he spent almost three years between there and Arabia. He would later go to Jerusalem, connect with Jerusalem. He would later go to Antioch and connect with Antioch. He would later go to Corinth and connect with Corinth. He would later go to Ephesus and connect with Ephesus. There was never a time where the apostle Paul was ever a lone ranger. He was always connected to the family of faith because it's in that family of faith that we are surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ who encourage us and strengthen us and help us live in the specific purpose which God has made us. It's also in the family of faith where we begin to discover that purpose. If you don't know what that purpose is, if you're in your life group, ask somebody, what do you think God's purpose is for me? Ask one of your friends that you've hung out with, what do you think God's purpose is for me? Can I tell you what God's purpose is? Not, it's not merely for you to sit and spectate and then complain about what's going on at church. That's never God's plan, and that's never His purpose. God's purpose is for each and every one of us to step into this unique way that He's equipped us and enabled us and gifted us by His Spirit to fulfill the church's calling. We've got to connect with family. Secondly, not only do we connect with family, but we share the gospel. And you might say, well, that's, that's redundant. You've already said uh, that sharing the gospel is something we all do. But can I tell you, if you don't know what your specific purpose is, sharing the gospel will always be part of that purpose. If, if, if your purpose is uh, to uh, teach children, sharing the gospel is part of that. If your purpose is to plant a church, sharing the gospel is part of that. If your purpose is to help uh, those within the family of faith who are struggling with their financial uh, uh, struggles and, and God's uh, helped you to have some wisdom in that area and he's gifted you and he's equipped you and you are stepping into that specific unique calling and you're helping, sharing the gospel is still part of that. See, sharing the gospel is the common theme that runs through every calling. We've got to tell people who Jesus is. The other part of that is just plain obedience. The more we exercise our faith in obeying God in difficult things, the more clarity we will have in what His unique calling is for us individually. You don't know, I don't know how God, I don't know what God wants me to do with my life. Or are you being obedient? See, obedience gives us clarity. Disobedience fogs the way. It muddies the water. It's hard for us to see God's specific purpose when we are disobedient to Him. And friends, sharing the gospel is either one thing of obedience or a thing of disobedience. So where are you? 
You see this in verse 20 again. Immediately, Saul preached Christ in the synagogues, that Jesus is the Son of God. Saul determined that he was going to be obedient and share with others what God had done in his life through Jesus Christ. Are you, are you being obedient to God? Are you sharing the gospel with someone else? Do you have the name of someone written on your heart or your hand? Someone that you know needs Jesus? Are you, are you committed to sharing the gospel with them? Guys, this is how you step into specific purpose. The more you're obedient, the more He shows how He's made you and what He wants you to do with your life. Connect with family, share the gospel. third thing is you grow as a follower of Christ. When I was a kid, um, we, uh, uh, it was mainly my older brother Brett and I. We were 16 months apart, and then the next one was, uh, I think, three or four years after me. So Brett and I were kind of close, and so we would play sports together. Every sports team he played for, I played for the same one. Uh, he didn't come down. I went up in age. Not that big a deal. Anyway, so we always played sports together. We hung out together. He was one grade ahead of me, and so we had, we had uh, great, great times together, great, great fights together, all that stuff. But when, I w- when he and I were uh, little boys, we, uh, my dad was a pastor and, and uh, didn't have just a ton of money, and, and so we would go and we, we would get new tennis shoes. And, and Ladies, you might understand this. I know the guys do. You remember when you got new tennis shoes, how it made you feel? I mean, you could, you could beat Flash Gordon in a race, right? You got new tennis shoes, man. You, were, you, could, you, could, you could ride the wind. You could walk on water. Those new tennis shoes, man, they were everything. And we'd get new tennis shoes, and, and they would, you know, you'd go to the store, and they'd put it, they'd put it on your feet, and they would, they would put their thumb down see where your toe was. And invariably, they would say, the, the store person, or uh, I would say, uh, they're a little big. You know, you know what mom and dad would say? They'll grow into it, right? Oh, you're going to grow into that. That's just good economics, number one. And that was the primary motivation. You have little kids, you grow a foot a, foot a day. I didn't. I never got there. But I was hoping, right? Uh, but you grow into it. You know, there is something about the specific purpose that God has made you for that you grow into. Some of you have been serving in life groups for 15 years, but that's preparation for something else that God has for you, a specific calling that He's created you for. And some of us have, have been serving in, in different various ministries in the church, and, and those are great, but those are preparation for what God's leading you to, a a specific purpose that He's created you for. You grow into it. Sometimes immediately, sometimes over time, the Apostle Paul grew into his ministry. Verse 22, Saul increased all the more in strength, confounding the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. See, he had to be discipled. The the church in Damascus had to share with him, but, but God leveraged all of Saul's training leveraged all of his theology, all of his understanding. All the arguments that he had developed against Jesus being the Christ were turned on their head so that now they were arguments for Jesus being the Christ. And God had 
grown Saul into this great calling, and he wasn't done with Saul. He wasn't done growing Saul. Saul had to take time, sabbaticals, where he would grow even more. And Saul would learn deep lessons as he made his missionary journeys, all the while growing into that specific purpose. So the question is, are you walking in the specific purpose that God has given and made you for? God has rescued you from sin so that you might be rescued to this specific purpose. You might say, well, Eric, I don't even know how to begin Figuring out what that purpose is. Well, you're in the right place. You're with the family. Well, I know being with the family, this is good, and I'm going to try to do better, and it's not one out of every four. I'll try to get here one out of every two. But, but not only are you connecting, are you, are you exercising obedience when it's hard, like sharing the gospel? That's hard. That's not easy. Are you exercising obedience? You want to discover that unique purpose. Exercise that obedience. And as you exercise that obedience, understand that the Spirit of God is growing you into this wonderful purpose that God has made you for. All the while, He's showing you specific ways to apply certain things. So today, I, I, just, want to, I, I just want to close out like this, okay? If you're going to experience um, a satisfying life, if you're going to experience life-giving relationship with God, if you're going to experience life-shaping purpose, it's not going to be through the memes on Instagram or the little dances on TikTok. If you're going to experience a satisfying life and life-giving relationship with God and life-shaping purpose, It's only going to happen when you first give your life to Jesus Christ as your Savior and King. I'm not talking about being a religious person. I'm talking about being a rescued person, walking in relationship with God. If you're here today and you are not yet a follower of Jesus, I beg you today to come to Christ, to to leave the empty life behind, to leave the empty religious efforts behind, to leave an empty purpose behind and take hold of Jesus who died for your sin in your place so that you might find forgiveness, who bridged the distance between a holy God and you and me, a sinner, so that you, through faith in Christ, might now be fit for God's family. Will you take hold of Jesus and step into the specific purpose he's given. If you are a follower of Jesus, then I want to to ask you, are you even asking God what the specific purpose is? If you're doing the general things, if you're being obedient, are you asking God, God, what is the specific purpose? Why did you save me? It's not merely for my benefit, it's for the kingdom's benefit. So God, why did you save me? What is my purpose? And maybe that's what you need to do today. You need to come to this altar and say, God, will you show me my purpose? Some of you, and I've been praying this all week, I've been praying for God to just pound on your heart because some of you, he has already shown you what he wants you to do and you've been fighting it like I did when I was 19, 20 years old. 
He's already, just, he, he's already shown you what that purpose is. Whether it's to join us in a movement of multiplying work in the seven cities of Hampton Roads through Scattered Church and being part of that, or maybe it's, maybe it's stepping out and saying, I, I, need to, I, I need to be a preacher of God's Word full time. Or maybe God's calling you to plant a church in different areas of the United States. Or maybe God's calling you to be a missionary abroad. And maybe that's who you are today. And if that is who you are, there are going to be some ministers down here. We want to help you with that journey. Some of you are equipped and called like Barnabas was. Now, Barnabas went on mission, but... Barnabas was always known as the encourager, the supporter. Do you realize that Barnabas took all his possessions and gave it, and those possessions were used to advance the mission? And maybe God has uniquely called you to be a supporter of the mission work in a generous way, in ways that generosity before you've not known. Maybe he's calling you to be like Barnabas. I I don't know what it is, but would you have the courage to say, oh God, whatever it is, I'll do it? Would you bow your heads with me, please? In these next few moments, I just want to encourage you, if you are a follower of Jesus and you long to understand the specific purpose for which you have been saved, I want to ask you to have the courage to Say, oh God, will you show me? Maybe you need to come to this altar. Maybe you need to come to one of the ministers here at the front. Or maybe if you're online, you need to text Jesus to the number on the screen or pastor at firstnorfolk.org and email us. Say, I, I just want somebody to pray with me. I want somebody to help me on this journey. And maybe, maybe you haven't connected to this family of faith yet. Connect. Be part of. This is your fam. This is your tribe. These are your people. Maybe today's the day for you to connect with this family of faith. If you want to know how, you can text or email or you can come down to one of these ministers. Or at the end of the service, you can go out and in the foyer, there's going to be a table and Seth Schwab will be sitting there and you can talk to him. And maybe you need to be saved today. You need to come to Christ. If that's who you are, then I invite you. Uh, Again, if you're online, text or email. But if you're in the room, I beg you, come to one of the ministers here at the front. Just say, I need to meet Jesus. Now, Father, in the great work of your grace, I pray that you would do what only you can do. Convict hearts, compel us to respond. Give us courage in the midst of our fear that we might be obedient to you in these next few moments. Now be glorified as we worship you as your people. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray.